There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 88. Today in the show, we are sharing our favorite hunting shows, books, magazines, podcasts, and much, much more. Alright, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, brought to you by Sick Gear. And I'm sitting here right now in my office, the space heater is running, and I'm still cold, because it's like 12 degrees wind chill outside right now, and I can just hear the wind like pounding on my windows, and I'm cold. And it's days like this that I kind of don't want to go outside sometimes. I don't know about you, Dan, but sometimes on days like this, I kind of just want to hibernate during the winter, but I'm still a hunting freak. <laughs> What's so funny about that? You don't hibernate? <laughs> no, no. It's like, I don't know how you feel about that. And I just, I don't know why every comment I make on this show has something to do with my kids. And <laughs> that's true. In, in the past 24 hours, I would rather fight frostbite than be in my own house. So you would rather lose a finger to frostbite, and you don't have a whole lot of those to spare. <laughs> I know, but I'm true? used to it. But I'm used to it. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I get that. That's funny. Uh, I literally would just hear, heard some story. I can't remember what it was, but something this past week reminded me of you because it was like talking about someone losing fingers, and I just sat there and thought about you and wondered what that must be like. But I'm gonna we're gonna, we're digressing pretty seriously pretty yeah, quickly. That's the fastest we've ever gone off topic. That really I didn't even get like the intro in. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll try to make the intro really short. Today, since I'm hibernating a little bit and maybe some of you out there listening are hibernating and not going outside, maybe to do some of the different deer hunting chores that, you know, we should be doing at this time of year. If that's you, I wanted to talk about some of the different things that you can still do to scratch that deer hunting itch while you're inside. So I wanted to talk through some of our favorite deer hunting or just hunting in general, our favorite shows, online shows, books, podcasts, resources, basically anything we do to be entertained or to learn about 
hunting and deer hunting. Um, so we're going to kind of rec- go through all of our different recommendations, talk through all those different things, um, and hopefully leave you all with a few different uh, new places and, and resources to check out over the coming weeks. So that's kind of the game plan. But now that that's out of the way, Dan, <laughs> what's going on this past couple of days that has got you in such a bad place? <laughs> Uh, on the inside, I'm crying. Okay. But my family, you know, and with kids, you get the flu and not just one person gets it, but everybody. So me and my wife were sharing a toilet last night. Is Um, that like a same time type of thing or? Yeah. And that was because we were puking. I just want to let that know. (laughs) We were were barfing at the same time. It wasn't like a sitting on the lap type deal. (laughs) Yeah. We weren't like uh, spider swinging to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Move on. Keep, keep uh, anyway, moving on. <laughs> anyway, uh, long story short, flu <laughs> came through our house the last 24 hours and just beat our family down. And uh, I just got done changing my son's diaper. And that, uh, anyway, yeah, so last week's been, this last couple days has been tough. And I haven't been out uh, to do my deer hunting chores like I wanted to be. So, uh, yeah, I'm behind. That's brutal, dude. I uh, yeah. I am not envious of you. I just got sort of sick last weekend. Just kind of got hit with a cold, and that was like my first kind of thing like that for the year. And I was like, I just was reminded how crappy that feels. So I can't imagine how bad a flu running through your entire family must be. That sounds miserable. Yeah, but so. we shall overcome. So they say. Yeah. So they say. But uh, other than that, all's well, I guess. All all's good, man. Just waiting for this election to get over so I can go back to regular TV commercials. The, the what? The election. Oh, the election. Yeah, gee, aren't, aren't you sick of all the commercials that are on TV? No, I'm, I'm immune to it, dude. You're I, immune to it. I don't have cable. Oh, you son of a gun. Yeah, I cut the cord purposely just to avoid all the election crap. <laughs> I need to do that. I really ago. need to do that. Yeah. Man, it sucks so bad right now. I I was at um, we were gone this past week as you know we were traveling out west my wife and I and one night we got a hotel um, the the second to last night of the trip otherwise we were camping but the second to last night we got a hotel and so this there was a TV obviously so it's kind of a luxury for us since we usually don't watch cable so we popped it on and very quickly I was reminded why I don't miss it <laughs> between political ads political commentary and like the weather channel talking nonstop yeah. about the storm and like over dramatizing the big snowstorm like crazy. Yeah. Like there was a guy on there who for twelve minutes, I'm pretty sure it's about twelve minutes, tried to demonstrate how to shovel snow and <laughs> talked about it and dragged it on for that long. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. <laughs> okay, Randy, we got twelve minutes to fill. We'll talk about <laughs> shoveling your snow. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. And then he like so he's demonstrating proper form, demonstrating how to make sure you get it down low enough, how to hold it. Then he talked about his preference and different types of snow shovels. And then somehow he got into like the story of how he used to shovel the snow for some lady back when he was a kid and how she gave him fifty cents a day and how he used that to save up money to buy some crap and it was like it was the kind of horrible storytelling like you hear on the Wired Hunt podcast. <laughs> It was bad. It was that bad. That's terrible. Yeah, I know. So it's <laughs> national television too. Yeah. So I'm I'm not missing it. I still you know see stuff online, but at least I don't need to hear the talking heads and the like you said the commercials. Yeah. It's bad. 
I'm yeah. I'm just over it already. It's not even like the final, the final. There's only, you know, there's only a couple places to escape, and I find myself watching Nickelodeon because there they don't have as many of the political ads. <laughs> Is there anything good on Nickelodeon though? <laughs> yeah. Paw Patrol, Blaze and the Monster Machines. I mean, do you really want me to keep going? I think I might start a podcast just on cartoons. I bet you that'd be way more successful than the Nine Finger Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just it'd, be, kidding. it'd be more successful than this one. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't relate, but someday I guess I probably will. There's a whole like new generation of kids shows and movies that I'm just totally clueless about. That yeah. I suppose I'm, I'm starting to learn about it, and I learned that it's hilarious because they are starting to go into adult jokes, but subtle adult jokes. Right? There's there's this one cartoon that my daughter, she's laughing hysterically. I come upstairs, and this family, their favorite meal is to eat burritos, and they sit there and fart for like five minutes straight, <laughs> and my daughter laughs about, it. "Oh, they fought it, they fought it." <laughs> okay, I would like that. Yeah, I would laugh. I laughed at it too, but I'm just like, God, is this what we want our kids to watch? And yeah, seriously, the the boy. dumbing down of our society is starting <laughs> yeah. at a very young age. Very young age. So speaking of dumbing down in TV shows and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about today's uh, topic, Dan? Hey, I tell you what, uh, I do I do my fair share of consuming uh, enter- entertainment slash educational. I guess slash background noise for you know of hunting in podcasts and web shows and TV shows and yeah. I do a little reading as well so it's uh it's something that consumes our time for uh for us freaks out there I guess yeah that's the truth and I was I was thinking here you know this might be this might be a really bad idea given the fact that we're about to share all sorts of different shows and books and podcasts and websites and things that people can go check out um, since we're basically recommending all of our competition for people <laughs> to, right, right. to check out Wired but, to Hunt. But let me let me clarify something. The Wired to Hunt podcast is the best podcast <laughs> on the internet. So so the people who are listening to that, this when we say we go to these other places, it's just a it's a recommendation. It's not mandatory like the Wired to Hunt <laughs> podcast is. Right, right, right. And so with that said, that's gonna be the end of the show today. <laughs> That's all we wanted to cover. <laughs> Have a good week. <laughs> and stay wired to hunt. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, there's uh there's a lot of good stuff out there and you know, hopefully what we're doing here at Wired to Hunt and with your stuff at Nine Finger Chronicles, hopefully everyone, you know, finds that helpful. But we are not the only show on uh, on the road here. So Wanted to kind of share all the different stuff that we like. Yeah, I'm, just like you said, we're we're freaks about all this stuff, and I'm constantly consuming different media. I mean, everything from print to digital to TV to, you know, I mean, if I'm not outside doing stuff, I'm usually reading or watching or hearing something about hunting or deer. Um, that that's our life, right? So that's right. So I, I always like I always get really excited when I get new recommendations about books or whatever it might be because um, I'm always trying to find the next thing and, and looking to discover something new that I'm excited about. So I thought, heck, why not? Why don't we offer some recommendations since we've got, I think, a lot of different things that we've been checking out. So do, uh, do you have a certain category, Dan, that you want to start with? 
of all the different types of stuff? Because I was thinking maybe we go category by category and then just kind of walk through some of our favorite things, talk about it, argue about it, talk about why our opinions suck or or don't. (laughs) But actually, Dan, before you answer that, how about we take a real quick break for a word from our sponsors of this podcast, Sitka Gear. And today I wanted to hear from Sitka product category leader Dennis Zuck about the importance of properly fitting hunting gear. Over recent years, companies like Sitka and others have put a real new attention to detail and fit when it comes to hunting apparel. And I'm just kind of curious, you know, why is this so important and what should we be thinking about on this front when we're choosing our own new gear? So here's Dennis. Yeah, and, and fit's a huge conversation. I, you know, a little funny part is, you know, when we started looking at our whitetail collection coming here in 15, you know, we had a, a group of guys out in Illinois who we work with quite a bit, and there's 17 of them, in fact, and we measured them, and we asked them, is, is, what do you think you wear? And the funny thing is, is the size ranges were all over the map because of what you described. They've, they've experienced, you know, whether I buy from this brand or that brand, just nothing's consistent. You know, so first of all, understanding that that's probably true, and it's probably good to measure your stuff and know what size you are. So um, for us, when we think about fit, we think about where does it fall in our systems? You know, is it a next-to-skin product? Is it a base layer? Is it a mid-layer? Um, is it outerwear? And am I planning to stack on top of it? Or really, given where it's positioned in my line, am I not planning to stack on top of it? You know, so if you, you know, if you're if you're looking at a jacket and you're thinking, well, I want to wear a base layer, I'm going to wear a, you know, a puffy underneath of this or a, an insulation layer, and I'm buying from Sitka, and I, I wear a large, maybe I should buy an extra large. Well, know that we've thought about that. So we, we've taken that into the consideration in our sizing. Um, we also, you know, the athletic fits in our, some of our, you know, if you're buying our mountain equipment type of stuff, you know, because of the nature of what you're doing, that may be more of an athletic fit. We're in whitetail, you know, where you need a little bit more, you know, range of motion or, you know, it's more about sitting comfortably for a long time, just sedentary. You know, that's maybe more of a relaxed fit. So we absolutely think a lot about fit. Um, full acknowledgement that it's as an as a hunting industry probably you know all over the place but we try to be very consistent here and if you buy a large in one category you can buy it in another um, and we've tried to think about the layering process so if you'd like to learn more about Sitka gears layering systems you can visit sikagear.com and now dan where do you think we should start with this conversation <laughs> yeah i mean if we're gonna we might as well just start right at the at the beginning and go with uh I guess TV and web shows. I mean, that that would kind of fall under one category, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so, do you have a favorite? Well, like, here's here's the first question: Do you watch more hunting video content on your TV, like on cable TV, or online in some way? Well, I tell you what, uh, it's probably close to fifty fifty. Um, the only time I really watch, I, I do watch TV shows, but it's while I'm doing something else. So. Typically, whether I'm writing a blog or editing a podcast or, or you know, answering emails or doing some research on products, I am – in the background, I have uh, hunting shows on. And it's not that I really focus on them because I'll give you – later on, I'll give you my opinion on some of these shows. But, uh, but when I sit down and I actually consume the television shows and really let it soak in – I'd say not as much as the the online stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that's I think that's becoming the trend. Like the majority of people are going more and more that way. I mean, more the more I hear from people, I've polled actually our audience on on our Facebook page and everything to see, you know, how many of you listen to e- either or, which one do you watch more and 
Um, last time we checked on Facebook, the vast majority of people said they watch online more than TV now, which I think is a, a pretty big paradigm shift. I'm not sure that a lot of like the TV shows and networks out there, I mean, I think most people know it's coming, but I'm not sure people are moving on it fast enough. Um, I don't know. From what I see, you know, obviously I'm a little bit biased to digital. I'll, I'll admit that. But, I mean, that's where things are going, you know? Well, historically, the hunting industry has been an old, a good old boys club, so to speak. And they've always been just a step or two behind when it comes to changing, you know, advertising or, or you know, changing marketing through television or, or that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Across all, whether it's advertising or just where you're putting your content or where you're spending your time, uh, exactly. but but I mean that's that's definitely not a rule. There certainly no. are there are a lot of different people out there that are creating stuff and, and and moving towards where people's attention is moving. There's a lot of smart people out there that are doing really good stuff. So I don't want to say that you know everyone out there on TV doesn't know what they're doing because there's a lot of great stuff, right? Right. So right. Um. But yeah, for me, like we just mentioned a second ago. 99% of everything I watch now is digital. Um, I still buy a couple DVDs every year because I like to take them on my like rut trips or different trips. Me and my buddies go out of state when we stay at some dingy hotel room and we'll just pop in a DVD. But other than that, you know, everything else is, is digital for me. So yeah, because of that, I'm a little bit behind probably on some current TV shows, to be honest. Like I, I back when I used to have cable, I used to watch a lot of hunting shows, uh, and and I'm sure you know we can talk about our opinions on that. Um, but but now I'm not you know not checking that as often. I, I kind of like follow what people say about it online and stuff, but I'm not watching. Like I haven't seen the most recent episodes of of basically any TV show now. So you might need to fill me in on some of those things. Um, but I don't know. Do you? Let's talk about it. Hunting TV shows. We, we've kind of bounced around this topic before in past episodes, but let's just confront it face on. How do you feel about them? Hunting t- television shows. My personal opinion is for, from an entertainment standpoint, I, I feel it's entertaining. You can sit there, you can watch a big buck get slammed, and uh, you go home. But how how the hunting how these hunting television shows perceives perceive hunting is way different than I feel of 90% of the other hunters out there. And so you mean like how, how it's representing hunting? How yeah. it's representing. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is a majority of these shows, and I'm not saying all shows, but I'm saying a majority, show up to an outfitter, walk into uh, a stand that they, they've never hung, uh, you know, property they've never scouted. They sit in a stand because the outfitter told them to, and they kill a deer. I don't know about you, but I don't <laughs> – that's not how I hunt. Haven't experienced I, that one. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've never used an outfitter. I can't afford I can't afford it. I can't afford uh, property to lease land, and I can't afford uh, to purchase my own land. So there's three strikes right there against the way I hunt, uh, and it's very hard for me to sit there – and re- not only relate to them, but try to take something away from the show. Because when you add the commercials, it's 22 minutes. And in my opinion, you can't tell a story in 22 minutes if you want it to be educational. Right. So it just, I, and I've seen it, I just, I don't know. I'm kind of, 
I don't know. I don't know if you want to say underground or kind of a rebel against the whole thing. I just, I, I, <laughs> dude, you're so hardcore. <laughs> I know, I'm, dude. I'm hardcore, dude. But you know, I just, I don't know. I just don't, I don't get it. What I love about the shows, any, I'll, I'll get into the ones I like. What, what's your opinion on it? Well, I'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit because I, okay. I agree with most of what you're saying too. Um, but what I will say is, right, you know. A, popular complaint that we make sometimes and that a lot of people make sometimes just like you said is you know what you see on tv isn't realistic for most people and a lot of these guys are just with an outfitter and blah, blah 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 and they make it look super easy and they make everyone think that it's easy and then when we don't actually live that out people are disappointed um so i definitely agree with a lot of that sentiment i can relate to that personally at the same time it's kind of like kind of like mcdonald's in that um, McDonald's is making what the people want in that right. even though it's not good for us, I'm still, you know, some of us are still <laughs> going to McDonald's and we're still getting our large fries and our Big Mac and all that stuff. And it's maybe not right for me to sue McDonald's for making me fat if I just keep on eating it. You know what I mean? It's one of those things that people... Well, for whatever reason, most of us, most people get pretty geeked when we see big bucks on TV. You know, it's kind of like our fantasy time. It's our aspiration time. And I just don't know. Now, maybe maybe in a perfect world, I wish that, you know, there'd be a hunting show where it shows the whole real life story of stuff. And you never kill anything except for on one episode, you know, and it's yeah. a disaster all the rest of the season. And you're frustrated and you're tired and you're cold. And, man, that's the real stuff. But would that actually get people to consistently watch it all the time? And would people actually get pumped about that TV show? And would advertisers sponsor that TV show and all that kind of stuff? I mean, I don't know if, you know, that would actually work for a lot of people. So from that standpoint, as I'm trying to play devil's advocate for myself, I kind of get why some of these shows are like that because people keep watching them, you know? Yeah. It's like even though I can't relate to Lee and Tiffany or whatever because I don't have so many thousand acres and all that kind of stuff – I still kind of like seeing big deer and, you know, like to sit there and dream, man, it'd be sweet to have that farm. Um, so, you know, I I see it from both, both sides of the coin. Um, and I'm not sitting here trying to hate on these quote unquote celebrities, but when you shoot a deer in the, like, here's, here's another pet peeve of mine. You shoot a deer and the first thing that comes out of your mouth mouth is thanking the outfitter or thanking some product or something. I can tell you right now. Well, your, let's be let's be clear, Dan. There's no way they would have killed that deer without the acorn right. cruncher or right, whatever exactly. it was. <laughs> the black rack. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it almost makes me sick because knowing that in the back of their head, they, they're thinking about – and maybe me and you are purists, but they're thinking about something else other than the kill. You know, they draw back and they're like, okay, let's shoot them. And then I got to make sure I say this. So where's that enjoyment? Where's the, you know, it's like they're so focused on trying to promote something instead of enjoying the hunt and the kill that to me, it just loses everything. It loses the power. Yeah, there certainly is. There certainly are some instances where it's pretty phony. It's obviously right. contrived or over dramatized, not real. Right. And uh, yeah, like you said, for me that's a turnoff. Um, right. and, and there's like there was a DVD I bought recently um, that 
bought it. I've bought this DVD, like this DVD that comes out every year for a long time. And um, this year, for whatever reason, I just noticed it seemed like every single hunt was an outfitter. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was just, like, over and over and over and over and over. There wasn't any, you know, DIY hunts. There wasn't anyone who was doing things on their own farm. It was just, like, overwhelming. And, like, what you just said, the fact that the first thing they say is they think they're outfitter and they think they're bow sponsor or whatever it is, like, it just got to be too much for me. And I just, like, I didn't even finish it. I was, like, I'm just, I think I'm done with this. Like, yeah. like you said, it's a big turnoff. So, I, you know... Not trying to hate on anyone in particular, but there's some of this stuff that it, if it turns you and me off, it probably turns off a lot of other guys who, you know, if anyone should be forgiving of it, probably you and I should be because we're, you know, involved in the in the right. quote unquote industry a little bit. And so if we get irritated by it, I can't imagine how people who, you know, totally aren't in it would feel too, you know? Right. But, you know, don't get me wrong. There's still a lot of shows out there that I find interesting. And I'll just name I'll just name a couple here. Yeah, let's talk about um, some. anything DIY. So there's a guy named Solo, or he does a show called Solo Hunter. I think yeah, it's called. Yep, Tim Burnett, right? Yeah, I think so. He goes out, throws up a tent, and he does what me and you did out in the elk woods. You he's, know, he sat in a tent with another man while it rained all night. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's by himself. Okay, he's by himself. He doesn't have a partner. So way less weird than what you and me did. Yeah, way less weird. <laughs> there's no uncomfortable situations in his. In his tent. But, <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> but you know, he he's he self films everything. He goes out. He you know tries to get awesome camera angles of of these animals that he's shooting, and it's just it's relatable because you you get to see how hard it can be sometimes. Yeah, which we can definitely relate to. Right. Anything. So anything DIY. You know. Um, the, the other person that I really like watching and maybe it's because when I, when I grew up, me and my dad, every Sunday night would watch national geographics oh, yeah. and, and, uh, it was this awesome show that was on Sunday nights right before, you know, we'd sit down with some popcorn and watch this and it was different places in the world or going to ocean exploration. Now, uh, Jim Shockey, his show his new show, uh, what's it called? Uh, Uncharted. Uncharted, where he goes to random places in the world, and it's not just the kind of random places. You know, when we think uh, an out-of-country hunt, we think Africa, right? Most of the time we're thinking Africa, and these guys are sitting at a watering hole, and they're just waiting. This is, That's not what really I see this show. This show is about culture, you know, of, and that's why the show is an hour long, but it's about culture. He shows the culture of the people of the area where he's hunting. He's showing, you know, the the path up this fourteen thousand foot mountain to hunt a sheep that only lives in this particular area of Afghanistan or Nepal or wherever, whatever country he's in. You know, it shows the the hard work and it actually takes to just plan and get to it. Yeah. You know, not just the hunt itself, but there's an entire process that leads up to getting on the plane yeah i've so, heard a lot about that one and how like yeah. you said like, there's a lot of like focus on the culture and the adventure and everything which sounds pretty cool yeah so anything adventure i mean i love that stuff that, yeah. that, as far as those are two that stick out to me nice yeah those are those are two that like i haven't seen uncharted but i've heard a lot about it and i have seen some solar hunter solo hunter early up earlier seasons when i was still watching tv and they've got some stuff on youtube i've watched too um another couple shows that i really like um I've always been a big fan of Heartland Bowhunter. 
those guys, I think they really kind of kicked off this revolution in like higher production value video yeah. when it comes to TV shows, you know, five, six, seven years ago. Um, and they've always done a really good job with the storytelling, I always thought. I, I liked it because like when I first started my full-time job back in the fall of 2009, I got shipped out to our headquarters in San Francisco, as you know. And so I was out there during a hunting season. I couldn't do anything. So one of the things I did was I, I discovered Heartland Bowhunter. They had their episodes online. And so I started watching those, and like I kind of just lived vicariously through those stories since I couldn't go outside or do anything. And so ever since then, I've always been a big fan of, fan of what they've been doing because I just think they, they take like the the visual. They, took, they right. take all the production and storytelling stuff really seriously. It makes um, it makes it better. When yeah. you have good editing and good production value, it makes it better, period. Oh, yeah, dramatically. And, and luckily, since then, a lot more shows have been taking things up a notch, so that's good. Um, my other show that I really like a lot is Meat Eater with Stephen Ranella. Yeah. I'm a big Ranella fan, and I always enjoy his focus on, again, the landscapes, the scenery, the story, the adventure. And lots of times he doesn't kill anything, but he's always talking about, you know, interesting things. It's, I enjoy his uh, the educational, intellectual side of a lot of things he discusses. And then also the focus on food, which is super important. So. Right. Like the Meat Eater Show, uh, which you can also download those episodes online. Um, you can get that uh, meateater.vhx or something like that. Um, I haven't watched many of the recent shows, but some of the older stuff. I enjoy the jewelry stuff. You know, we've we've enjoyed having Terry and Mark on the show. Um, so you know, our episode with Mark and and Terry, but they were incredible, right? We learned a ton. Um, mm-hmm. So I've always enjoyed uh, how they the two of them especially always seem to just kind of offer a little bit of insight before a lot of their hunts, and they do a pretty good job with their stories and stuff too. So. Those are some of the TV shows that I've enjoyed in the past. Um, have you seen the Jury's show 13? Have you seen that one yet? Yep, I've seen it. Um, yeah. It kind of goes what it kind of goes through. They they break down 13 categories based on the whitetail year. Yeah, the phases of the of the yeah, season. Phases, yeah. Yep, and and Mark explained those in our in our, our interview with him on episode 63. Um, but I thought they did a good job of that, um, and they they do a nice mix of you know sharing their experiences and stuff with good hunts, and you know that's a situation where they've got these incredible farms and incredible deer, but they make it relatable and at least that they they share some of the stuff that goes on. It's not like they just showed up at a farm and kill a deer the first day. So I like that. Right. The good thing about that is it's their farm. They're doing the work on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's not like they're going to an outfitter. Every time now they probably do do do. I haven't watched a lot of the dreary stuff, but um, especially on TV. But I'm sure they they do their own work on their own farms. I'm sure they use outfitter. I know they use outfitters as well. But to yeah. to see progress and storylines based off previous years, I find that interesting. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I love the story, especially if it's like a multi year story, exactly. which is one of the things with with the juries, especially they've done a really good job of it because because and you know in all honesty because they have the the opportunity to do so with some of these farms where these deer can get multiple years. But shoot, there's been some storylines where they've shared you know hunting a single deer for or having followed or photographed and gotten yep. pictures and footage for three, four, five years. I mean, that that's pretty cool. And, yeah. you know, most of us probably won't get to experience something like that, but it's kind of fun still to, to follow someone who did. So yep. I've enjoyed that. 
Um, and then the DVDs from the juries, those are probably, those are the DVDs that I still do like to buy or get online because of that, those same things. The DVDs are pretty good. So I like the jury DVDs. Um, as far as TV shows, those are, those are the ones I found. I know there's a whole lot of other ones out there, um, that, you know, I'll click into and back when I used to have TV, I click into and watch and stuff. Um, a lot of the people we've interviewed on the podcast have got TV shows that are worth checking out. Adam Hayes, I think it's Team 200. I've seen a few of their episodes. And, um, you know, anything with Adam Hayes I find pretty fascinating just because the guy is a legend as far as I'm concerned um, with how he's hunting and killing deer. So that's super interesting. Um, who else? Whatever. Well, you mentioned Shockey already. We've mentioned Heartland Bowhunter. Um, you know, I enjoy watching Lee and Tiffany's show sometimes back in the day just because I think, again, to what we said, it's just kind of fun dreaming about having a place like that. I mean, can you imagine hunting a spot like that? <laughs> Where they're passing booners because they're only three years old? Yeah, that'd be pretty yeah. sweet. <laughs> that'd be, uh, that'd be, uh, that'd be a, a change of pace for me. Yeah, yeah, that would be. That'd be pretty cool. So, so there's some interesting ones out there. Um, but what about web shows? There's a lot of good stuff online when it comes to video content. Do you watch some of that stuff too? Yeah, I tell you what. Uh, Midwest Whitetail. Yes. And some of my favorite episodes are the tree the tree stand trimming episodes where they're going out into the timber and then they talk about why they're putting a stand in this location in relationship to – uh, food plots, bedding areas, travel corridors, pinch points, and, and all that stuff. That's one of the nicest things about the digital format, the online format, is that you can have an episode like that that, you know, you don't need to worry about people getting bored and leaving or whatever. You know, when I think these guys have got a TV show and they've got 22 minutes and ads, you know, they're kind of forced to put in, you know, certain things to try to keep viewers and stuff like that. But with the digital format, you can have a seven-minute episode that's just about trimming a tree, and then the next week you could have a, 20 minute episode about a deer hunt the next week they can share five minutes about a food plot um right. and lots of opportunity for education yep so yep. yeah i love that and i think uh on your little list here one that i consume the most of is carbon tv yeah so carbon tv is is essentially like an online network of tv shows and videos and stuff like that for hunting and all sorts of other outdoor recreation too. What shows do you watch on Carbon TV? <laughs> okay, so obviously the Heartland Bowhunter stuff. Yep. But the other day, I watched PBR Rodeo. <laughs> nice. I, I don't know why, but I just I got into it and I watched like five or six episodes of bull riding. Is it just bull riding, or is it like a reality series about the bull riders? Uh, I don't know if it is or not, but there's a lot of bull riding. It That's could cool. be interesting stuff, huh? Yeah, interesting. A anything, you know, and then anything out west, like stuff that I don't get to experience a lot. So there's a couple shows out there that are dedicated to like mountain hunting or elk and sheep. You know, there's, you know, it's coming to that point in my life where it's very, there's very slim chance I ever get to go and hunt a, a bighorn sheep just because of the odds it takes to get drawn in some of these zones and so i just love watching things that i probably won't ever get to do yeah it's nice to dream that's for sure yep. That, yep. especially that adventure stuff out west or alaska or the yukon oh yeah that kind of stuff that i agree i love that stuff just to sit there and think about it wonder what it would be like and just kind of like 
mountain porn for me. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. But yeah, lots of good stuff on carbon TV. Um, growing deer TV is a good one, especially if you're interested in like management stuff. That's with Dr. Grant Woods, who was a guest on the podcast last year. Yep. Um, he does like weekly episodes, which are great, which showcase like his hunts. And then also a lot of detail about his management plans, his habitat work, his food plot work, predator control, everything. Um, so if you're looking to learn about management stuff, that's a really good one to watch. Um, and like you said, Midwest Whitetail, Bill Winky does a great job both with hunts and big deer and stories, but then also education. I like that. Um, you know, uh, White Knuckles web show, I think, has done a really good job over the years. And you were involved with that for a long time, Dan, and I enjoyed your stuff there. And, you know, I, I think uh, John Mulligan, our, our friend John, just had an episode released there, which is pretty cool. So good stuff on that front. Uh, have you seen Montana Wild videos? Montana Wild? No, I have not. They're doing some cool stuff. If you want to watch some Western hunts, they do some fly fishing and then a whole bunch of different Western hunts. Um, they've got some really cool videos on their YouTube and Vimeo channel. I'd recommend that. They're out of Montana, obviously. Um, but they, they've just got a really good style to what they do and good storytelling, I think. More like short films. They're not like frequent episodes. It's like a handful of films every year, but... Um, I like those. Um, you know what? Which bring me to a point when you, or uh, which, yeah, whatever you just said sparked an idea in my head, and that's why I'm gonna say words right now. <laughs> well, that's good. That's a good start. <laughs> Proceed. The, the, the short season. Ah, uh, yeah, Simpson. You know, I don't. Yeah, whoever that guy is, uh, he, that or his corporation or his little production company that that puts those together. I really like those, and it, the cool thing about that is. There's there's a little bit of interviews, but a majority of it is just good footage that, you know, you, just because there is a, a video of a guy putting up a tree stand, you don't need to have a voiceover of a guy putting up a tree stand. You know what I mean? It's just like they let the footage do the talking and it's edited very well. Yeah, he does. They do a very good job. Be- beautiful footage. Right. So, yeah, that's a good one. The short season. Um and also, one of the sites I mentioned that I was going to mention, which showcases a lot of this stuff, is called huntervids.com, which is another kind of destination site that houses a whole bunch of videos and people can submit their videos and stuff. So, if you're looking for some different films or shows that are available online, like we said, Carbon TV is a good one to discover new ones. And then huntervids.com is another good one um, to find a lot of these films and stuff. Um, Donnie Vincent, one of our guests on a past episode, oh, yeah. he's got a lot of great short films and stuff available online. Um, that's definitely worth checking out too. Yeah. Um, Hunter die is another one. Our friends, uh, Todd Graff and Justin Zarr do a great job with that. I think, um, so that's at bowhunting.com. Do you, do you get to watch any of those? Oh yeah. I watch, uh, I don't get to watch it as much as I'd like, but I, uh, I'm familiar with it and I, I, they do the same thing similar to kind of like, uh, the Midwest whitetail where they, they go through the entire season, food plots, tree trimming, everything. Yeah. Yeah. And they put, they put a lot out. I mean, they do a good yep. job. It's uh and it's tough to do that. I, you know, I've tried to do frequent web videos and stuff throughout the season and you know, my little tiny operation here struggles with it. So I know it takes a lot of time, energy and people. So, so these guys like Midwest whitetail, growing deer, bow hunter die. I mean, mad props to them and what they're doing. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, any other video stuff that that we haven't mentioned yet, Dan, that you think we should? Any other recommendations? No, I don't. Nothing that pops off right on top of my head. All right. Well, 
Before we move on to the next category, though, we do need to pause briefly for a word from our sponsors of this episode, Bear Archery. And as I mentioned last week, one of the most fascinating things about Bear Archery is their history, having been founded by the legendary Fred Bear. And so this week, as we did last time, I wanted to share a quote from Mr. Bear that I think we'll all be able to relate to. So here we go. And I quote, Life in the open is one of my finest rewards. I enjoy and become completely immersed in the high challenge and increased opportunity to become, for a time, a part of nature. Deer hunting is a classical exercise in freedom. It's a return to fundamentals that I instinctively feel are basic and right. End quote. So, if you'd like to learn more about Fred, the history of bear archery, or what's new with bear archery, visit beararchery.com. And now, back to the show. All right, let's uh, let's move uh, to another category. What about books? Do you do do you know how to read? Do you read? <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> I kid, I kid. <laughs> do you have any? I'm a super book nerd, so maybe this is a category for me. But do you have any recommendations on the book front? You know, I do not. Uh, the last time I read any type of book was actually during our uh, Western hunt. And I want to tell you, what was the one with the guy who headed out west? What was his name? Uh, George Bird Grinnell. Yep, George Bird Grinnell. Send me that book when you're done reading it so I can finish it up. Yes, I, I did finish it, so I'll send it to you. That's one of the books I was going to recommend, so I'd say I'll just I'll start off there. I'll, I'll try to not make this too boring, but I'll, I've got a blog post. And actually, we had a blog post about our the top recommended online shows and videos and all that kind of stuff. I'll link to that in this blog post, but also for books. I've got a huge recommended reading list, but I thought I'd share a couple of my favorites for any of you readers out there. And like you just mentioned, Dan, one of them is called The Last Stand. And it's the story of the buffalo, the American bison, and George Bird Grinnell, who was the original founder and editor of Forest and Stream magazine, which eventually became Field and Stream, which obviously we all know today. Um, super interesting story about, you know, how the whole, you know, what happened with the buffalo in America, how they were nearly extirpated, how they nearly went extinct, and then how people like George Bird Grinnell and Teddy Roosevelt and some of these other guys were able to intervene and change a lot of things to allow that species to recover. And all the other big game species now, like deer and elk and bears and everything else out there, that basically these guys, these hunter conservationists who, who we've talked about before, um, they were our forefathers that allowed us to now do what we do today. So it was a great book examining that history. And, um, man, super interesting, both from a story standpoint and like the history of us as hunters and conservationists. So I'd highly recommend that to anyone who wants to better understand, you know, the history of conservation and how we hunters actually, you know, our, our, our ancestors were a big part of that. So I'll get you that book, Dan, because I think you'll like it. Sweet, sweet. Um, on the conservation standpoint, another really good one is the Sand County Almanac by Elda Leopold. This is a book that kind of established a lot of the conservation ethic that we still follow today about ecosystems and how hunting can fit into that and, and all sorts of stuff. So that's a really good one to read on a conservation standpoint. Um, any of the books by Stephen Rinella, we already talked about Rinella, but he's got three like novels out. Um, well, not novels, but three nonfiction books that I really recommend that all that kind of cover all of Steve's different hunting adventures and things like that. Um, the Scavenger's Guide to Hot Cuisine, Meat Eater, 
and the American buffalo, which is another interesting look at the uh, story of buffalo and conservation in America and then his own personal hunt for buffalo. Those are three really good ones. Um, when we had Shane Mahoney on, Dan, I don't know if you remember me mentioning this book, but it's a book called The Hunter's Heart. That's a really good one. Um, it's a series of different essays and short stories um, by a whole bunch of different people, um, all about hunting and various topics related to it, conservation, ethics, how we talk about hunting. Um, I mean, a lot of different things I think we hunters should just be thinking about. Um, that's a really good one. Um, so so those are some good ones that are kind of like thinker books um, that make you think about hunting and, and, and the, the deeper aspects of it. If you just like good stories, Field and Stream released a book like a year or two ago with like the, the best hunting stories, best American hunting stories. I think um, that was a fun one. Um, Bill Heavey is a writer for Field and Stream. He does like the back page column. I don't know if you've ever seen his back page articles, but they're super funny. He's got three books that are really good. Um, as far as like learning about hunting, like educational stuff, here's some that I'd recommend. We had John Eberhardt on the show this past summer. And if you listen to that episode, you know he's got a wealth of information. Well, he co-authored three books with his son that, that are terrific. One was Precision Bow Hunting, Another one is Bow Hunting Whitetails the Eberhardt Way. And I think another one's, uh, oh, geez, Hunting Highly Pressured Whitetails or something like that. And then his son, Chris, wrote one called Whitetail Access, which is a really cool book that followed his one single hunting season. This is one you would like, I bet, a lot, Dan. Um, it follows his hunting season where he lived out of a van and hunted like all across the country and like did it super cheap, like on a shoestring budget. Like he lived in his van, he showered with like a bucket of water, he ate cold soup every night and hunted in Wisconsin and North Dakota and Missouri and uh, shoot, a couple other places, Michigan a little bit. Um, and then within throughout that, that story, each place he went, he went into like detail of like how he scouted, how he set up, diagrams of where he hung his tree stands. It's like a great story and educational. So um, that's a really good one. I think uh, I think you should check that one out. What was the name of that again? Whitetail Access by right. by Chris Eberhardt. Gotcha. Um, Jeff Sturgis, we've had him on the show a couple times. Um, you remember him, right, Dan? We enjoyed that. He's got three books now. He just released his third book. So Whitetail Success by Design, Whitetail Food Plots by Design, and Mature Buck Hunting by Design. Or, yeah, Mature Buck Success by Design are his three books. Those are really good. I'm just starting his third one. Um, I'm gonna. I'm not going to try to run through every single book I can think of, but the Eberhardt books are great. Craig and Neil Doherty, we've had both of them on the show. They have several books that are great. We've had Don Higgins on the show. His books are great. Um and then the third one, have you ever seen the book Mapping Trophy Bucks? I have not. That's one you should check out for sure. It's by Brad Herndon. And basically the whole book is um, it's basically all about how various terrain features and topography influence deer movement and how you can set up on that. Um, so there's lots of maps, topo maps and diagrams and all sorts of stuff. Covers, you know, how deer use ridges, how they use funnels, how they use saddles and ridges, all sorts of stuff like that. So really good detailed book for if you want to learn about how deer use terrain. I want to get Brad on the show someday. Um, so that's a good one too. Um, <clears throat> I've got a million other recommendations. I'm sitting here looking at my bookshelf, and it's it's stacked with books. But I won't run through too many of these. But check out the blog post. I'll link to it. Our ultimate, our ultimate recommended 
reading list for hunters has got tons of books. If you like to read, we've got a lot of recommendations for you there. Do you happen to have anything like uh, whitetail cliff notes, like hunting whitetail cliff notes or hunting whitetail for dummies? That that might be right up my alley. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple out there that might fall into that category. <laughs> <laughs> this is a buck. Yeah. This is a doe. That would be helpful, wouldn't it? <laughs> but uh, yeah, those couple books I recommend, you should definitely check those out, Dan. Um, I think there, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Do you read any hunting magazines? Yes, I do. What about those? Got any you like? Well, I tell you what. I grew up on field and stream and outdoor life, mainly outdoor life. Um, I My favorite when I was growing up, my dad would get those or my mom would get those magazines for me. And uh, I love the cartoon, the illustration about uh, – something crazy that happened in the woods like a guy you know falls out of his canoe on a canoe trip and he has to survive until you know he gets up enough energy to walk you know through the woods to a road or a guy gets attacked by a bear or a guy shoots a this is my favorite one I'll always remember it guy gets a brand new rifle for christmas he goes out he shoots a he shoots a buck he sets his rifle in the rack of the buck steps back to take take a picture when the camera flashed went off the buck got up ran away with his rifle in his <laughs> rack you know those kind of crazy stories but that's the same yeah that on top of all the other great content that outdoor life has you know put out through the decades that they've been a magazine yeah they're getting a little bit uh a little bit lax with their standards of who they let in their magazine, though, now, Dan. <laughs> oh, yeah? yeah. Any, just anybody can do it? Well, if, if that Kenyan guy can get in there, I'd yeah. say. <laughs> hack. What a hack. Agreed. Agreed. No, I, I, I agree with you in all seriousness. Love what they're doing outdoor life in field and stream. Um, great. You know, I, I really enjoy, you know, especially the stories like the yeah. adventure stories and great photography and and then also the fact that they, they do tackle both of those magazines tackle some of the tougher topics that you know we like to try to talk about here the conservation or ethics or yeah. different things like that that we try to speak speak to sometimes that you don't see a whole lot in other magazines and I think they do a good job of, of touching on that just the most recent issue of field and stream and outdoor life both both kind of cover stuff like that like in field and stream the most recent episode or issue I don't know if you, if you saw the most recent issue or not. Um, but there's like a kind of a state of the whitetail in the country again. And yeah. so covering a whole bunch of things, like how things have changed over the last five years, which interestingly, we are going to have, hopefully knock on wood, if, if the everything goes as it's supposed to, next week we are going to have a state of the whitetail report uh, with Kip Adams like we had last year, but we're going to do the 2016 edition now and get all the updates on what's new in the whitetail world. Perfect. So that'll be good. But uh, they did kind of a version of that in Field and Stream, which was interesting. And then Outdoor Life did a whole feature about the North American model of conservation, the North American wildlife um, kind of conservation ethic. And they cover the seven kind of main principles. And we've talked about that with, I think, with Shane Mahoney. We talked about that. Um, but they're, they're kind of examining each one of those different principles and then you know, maybe how things need to be updated a little bit or what we need to focus on here in the, in the new kind of generation. So that was interesting. Worth checking out. Um, do you read any of the deer magazines? I have a subscription to uh, North American whitetail. Yeah. Fun stories on that. I love the, the big buck yeah. stories are kind of cool. 
Yep, yep. Yep, I like North American Whitetail and Deer and Deer Hunting is a good one. Quality Whitetails, the magazine from Quality Deer Management Association, is really, really great if you're interested in the management stuff, habitat improvement, food plotting, um, you know, aging deer, all that kind of stuff. Great resource for that type of thing, too. Right. Um, you know what magazine I really love that's become like one of my favorites? And it's interesting because I only hunt elk a week or two a year, but Bugle Magazine the magazine produced by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation is like maybe the best hunting related magazine out there to, over everything. I'm, I think like they just do an awesome job, like really great stories, deep, deep stories. Um, it's just like really good writing. It's thick. Right. It's full of like lengthy in-depth articles that lots of times you don't get in some of the other magazines that I, I really like it. Um, if you're not a member of the Rocky Mountain Elf Foundation, it's worth joining just to get the magazine. Right. Um, so I like that one a lot. Yeah, North American Whitetail has been in my mailbox for a while now, and it's it's one of those where not only do you get to see uh, how average Joes basically are are killing big deer, it and it, it also brings a little strategy into it. You know, that you know, obviously the wind direction and the food plots and or you know, hey, I pulled my truck up to a piece of public land. It was my first day hunting, and I shot a deer. Yeah, you definitely do get some of those. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's one of those fun, fun ones because they, for the most part, most of those stories are just average guys, you know. Yep. And they're yep. giant deer, so you can kind of it's like a relatable way to dream about big deer, I guess. So, That's right. yeah, That's right. I like that a lot. Um, you know, the Petersons magazines are good. I like those. The Eastman's Western magazines are good. I like those. Um, I think those are most of the hunting magazines that I check out. Anything else that that we haven't covered on that front? No, man. I know this is a a hunting or a deer hunting uh, podcast, but uh, whenever I got Field and Stream, for some reason, when I was in high school, uh, I loved fishing. And in Field and Stream, they had a ton of ways to detailed ways about how to work your reel and rod and and how to you know what structure underneath the water you should be focusing on, on different times, types of year or different times of year. And, um, I went to fuel and stream a lot for my, for my, uh, fishing information. Yeah. They've got them in outdoor life. They both have some good fishing content. I've been getting really into fly fishing recently since I was out West last summer. So I've been buying a bunch of fly fishing magazines too. There's some, there's right. some, they do a great job with photography. I've noticed like the fly fishing magazines have got some of the best photography of anything I've seen out there. Just like, They've got these full, like, two-page spreads of, like, just unbelievable photos that, like, just, like, suck you into the environment. I think we need to try to get that brought into the hunting world a little bit better because they're, they're knocking it out of the park. Do you, uh, when you go out uh, fly fishing, do you catch fish every day? No. Do you catch fish every day? So no. they got some time to, it's not like deer hunting where you can go walk around the woods and, uh, take pictures cause you'd oh, spook the deer, but yeah. for fly fishing, you, if you, you may have some spare time to take some extra pictures. It's true. That's true. They're definitely worth time. It, it might be just cause I'm an awful fly fisherman though, Dan, <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely possible. So, so those are the magazines we've covered shows and videos and books and magazines. What about, uh, what about what we're doing right here? Podcasting. Do you listen to any other hunting related podcasts? Yeah. I tell you, I've got into the, uh, um, Oh, hunt talk with what's his name? Randy Newberg. Randy Newberg, obviously. But on the way to the ATA this show, 
this year, ATA show this year, I probably listened to six J Scott outdoors podcasts. Yep. And although it's very, some of the, some of them were very specific on like mule deer in what zone and stuff like that, that probably doesn't, it, for, it was just how they did it and the way they did it that, and they're basically just told a story or you know, about what they did when they went on these hunts or what they're going to do. And it was, uh, I find, I found it pretty interesting, although it's way out of my element. I found it interesting and I consumed a lot of uh, J Scott outdoors podcast. Yeah. And that's, that's all like Western hunting and fishing, right? Yep. Western. Let's see. Uh, I don't think they even, he, I don't know if I've ever heard a podcast with him talk about whitetails. Yeah. I don't think I have either, but, uh, but to your point, interesting stuff about elk yep. and mule deer. And if you want to do Western hunting, that's a good one to check out. Um, another Western podcast that I've been hearing a lot of good things about is the gritty Bowman. That's supposed to be a really good one. I've got to check that out a little bit. Sounds like they're doing a good job. Um, and then I agree with you. I really enjoy Randy's Hunt Talk podcast. That's great. And then um, the Meat Eater podcast from Ranella, of course. Enjoy his uh, his conversations on there. Those are the two. Those are the two hunting podcasts that I like listen to regularly. Those are the only two hunting podcasts I listen to like consistently. I'm, I'm gonna always listen to all those episodes. They're just good for both of those do a really good job of just diving into issues and thinking about different things and just getting into the nuts and bolts. They're not necessarily tactic focused. Sometimes they talk a little bit about tactic, but mostly it's about a place or a certain issue going on um, or stuff like that, which I enjoy. Yeah. Um, oh, what else is out there? The Big Buck Registry is another good deer hunting podcast. They focus primarily on more stories. Like they bring in someone and they have them share their deer hunting story, um, but that's a good one. Um, Michigan Out of Doors has been running a podcast recently, which which I got to check out, and they're doing a good job. Oh gosh, there's a gear podcast out there. There's a deer hunting gear podcast. Um, that kind of it's okay. Uh, the the guy who does it's a huge douche. Oh my gosh, he's the worst. He's really the worst. <laughs> <laughs> he's the worst. The Nine Finger Chronicles podcast is awesome. That's another good one to check out. Right. That's right. It's probably the second. Uh, it's probably the second most popular podcast period on the internet, and primarily because of the interview you did with Quiet Cat that I saw just recently. Tell me, you got us a free Quiet Cat? Oh, I I did not. I don't. I, it's not like a dozen arrows from uh, Easton. <laughs> <laughs> they can't just they can't just ship me a Quiet Cat. <laughs> Dude, I just all I want is like you just leaned over a little tiny quiet cat scooting through the woods. That is a vision I want to see. <laughs> oh man. I would have to put like a bicycle ringer on it or like a horn on it. Bling, 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 bling. Yep. That'd be good. <laughs> yeah. We got it. We got to do our shameless plugs, right? Oh yeah. Nine fair Chronicles. Great. And then uh, the other podcast that I run is the whitetail Q and a podcast answering listener submitted questions so those are definitely two that hopefully right i don't know but hopefully we're doing a good job with those so the wired to hunt podcast let's see it's on a different level it's on a different level you think so it's 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 past the stratosphere (laughs) well if i if you weren't blowing smoke on my ass i'd be pretty happy about that (laughs) no and the cool thing about this is i don't know about you but i get emails every single day 
with guys saying, I tell you what, and, and not all of them led to a successful season in, in the, in the means of a kill, but Hey, they, they, they say Dan and Mark, thanks for, you know, putting this content out uh, on the podcast with so-and-so I got some, um, I got some advice and I implemented that into the woods and it got me close or I got my first buck kill or I got the buck that I was after for three years now, you know, one little thing that, that they learned on this uh, podcast could help them be successful or get closer. That's, that's rewarding. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 And all, in all honesty, you know, I, I, I don't know how the Wired Hunt podcast stacks up compared to all the others out there, but I sure am thankful that it sounds like, you know, like you said, we get tons of messages and reviews and tweets and Facebook messages and everything about people that have found it helpful, and that is super cool. I'm just so glad that we can help people out and that people enjoy it, and either it's, you know, helping someone kill a deer or just helping them get through a long day at work. Um, like you said, very rewarding, so... So I hope that, you know, it seems like it from what we're hearing, seems like people are enjoying it and I hope that we can continue to to do a good job. So we gotta we gotta step it up, Dan. We gotta keep it going. There's no such thing as plateaus anymore. We have to continually take it to the next level. I agree. I okay, agree. Mark. All right, let's do it. Let's stick right, to let's it. Do it. <laughs> uh so I think that covers most of the podcasts that I can think of off the top of my head. Anything oh you know what? Uh I enjoy the Joe Rogan podcast when he has someone on related to hunting. You ever, you ever listen to any right. Joe stuff? Yes, I, I have. Uh, especially like uh, the Jim Shockey, the uh, uh, the Cameron Haynes episodes. Those are two that stick out. I know he's had other hunters on there, but those are two. I think he had Remy Warren on too. Yep, and he's had like six with with, with excuse me with Ranella. Ranella, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, can, I think those are the ones I know of: Ranella, Shockey, Warren, uh, Haynes. And duh, duh, duh. yeah, that's as far as I can think. So those are those are fun to listen to. Uh, what about other resources? Are there any other, whether it's online or anything else, any other deer hunting or just hunting in general resources that you like to check out? Blogs, websites, forums, anything like that? Uh, I tell you, I stay away from. I try to stay away from forums. Um, I've been, you know, I I used to be a part of Hunt and Fool. Uh, on that website where that gave you a whole bunch of information on um, uh, Western like zone stats and success rates and all that stuff. And the, the forums and that there's good information, but obviously you had to pay to get the good stuff. But uh, some of those forums, especially, you know, I'll just say it archery talk. I just feel that if you ask a question, there might be a couple sincere answers, but then it, they always go off on a tangent and they throw hate towards somebody else's response. And it, it, and it quickly goes off of the, the actual topic. Yeah. So, and that was just, there's like two or three examples that I asked, I asked some questions. Um, I know it's not all like that, but I just kind of got a sour taste in my mouth from my first time experiences. Yeah, I, I've definitely experienced that too. I used to be more engaged on forums back in the day, but have had a lot of experiences like that where just a lot of people get nasty. Like you said, that's not all the time. There's plenty of great right. forums out there, and there's good stuff, and it can be helpful, but it's a bummer when it just gets into a bunch of trolls yelling at people. Right, and I've got some good information off some of those off some of those sites, but nothing that you know would want me to continually go back. Yeah, 
Yeah, you know one forum though that I do actually go to to learn stuff and like that I have found consistently positive is Dan Infault's forum. Yeah, hunting. I think beast. that's just a bunch of hardcore guys. Super hardcore. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, luckily, you know, I know that we're doing things right here on the Wired Hunt podcast when people from the Hunting Beast like what we're doing because those yeah. are like hardcore, serious hunters. Um, and so it's always nice to hear that they're enjoying the podcast. And so that's a good one. If you, if you really want to get into some serious DIY stuff and talk about stuff and, and get into the nitty gritty, um, there's some cool things on that site. Um, yeah, that's about it for forums for me. Bowhunting.com has got a pretty good forum, um, but I just don't have as much time for it as I used to. Deer and Deer Hunting has a forum that I used to be uh, active on back in the day, but again, no more time now. Um, I check a lot of different deer hunting blogs, um, you know, because I do the Friday morning mashup post every Friday um, where I kind of highlight what I think are the top articles from various hunting blogs across the World Wide Web. So I check uh, a bunch of those. Um, for like conservation stuff, you know, we talked the other day about how it's kind of hard to stay on top of conservation issues, you know, yep. um, three blogs that I follow to keep up on that stuff, which I highly recommend are, um, the open country blog from outdoor life, the conservationist, which is uh, one of the field and stream blogs. And then the TRCP blog from uh, the Theodore Roosevelt conservation partnership, who we talked to wit from the other day. Yep. Those are three blogs that share a lot of conservation stuff. Um, there's some good uh, hunting stuff, like hunting articles and tips and stuff on the Antler Geeks website, which some of my friends, some of my friends run. Um, Realtree.com has got some good articles. Um, QDMA.com is another one, especially like I've mentioned before, if you're interested in the habitat and management, it's one of the best resources out there for that. Um, which, speaking of, I mentioned earlier that Kip's going to be on the show here soon to talk about the state of the Whitetail Union for 2016. Um, they just released their 2016 whitetail report, which is a uh, you got to check it out if you haven't yet, Dan. Um, incredible resource, kind of outlaying all the different harvest data from this past year, from the most recent season that stuff's available for, and all sorts of different current issues going on with deer. Um, really interesting. You can download that. It's a great PDF you can download for free from their website. So that's a great resource. Um, what else here? Any other sites you follow? Blogs or anything? Um, you know, I, I do occasionally go to the outdoor life one, but that's about it. You know, um, Jeff Sturgis's uh, whitetail habitat solutions website is a good one. He's got some good articles throughout the year. The posts, um, recommend that, uh, I think those are all the main websites and resources that I follow and there's a ton. And, and like I mentioned, yeah. The Friday morning mashup, check out Where to Hunt on Fridays. Usually I try to link up as many different articles as I can find there. Um, if you're looking for new sites to follow, that's a good spot to get some some ideas too. So, Perfect. I don't know, man. Any other any other resources, deer hunting crap that you like to follow on a cold, nasty day when you can't go outside? Anything we're forgetting? I think we, we mentioned a majority of it. All right. I think that's about all I've got too. So... Plus, I hear my uh, daughter screaming upstairs, so that brings my podcast time to an end. Yeah, I did hear that. <laughs> I was like, all right, Dan's about to have to scoot out. So hopefully, I hope this is interesting. We weren't necessarily sharing tips or stories or anything, but, you know, some some good resources to check out. So we will have links to as much of the stuff as I can remember on the Wired Hunt uh, blog for this podcast, so be sure to check that out. And uh, otherwise... 
you know, if you've been enjoying this show, please do leave a rating or review on iTunes. That's a huge help. Uh, make sure to check out the two other podcasts we mentioned that Dan and I run, the Whitetail Q&A podcast and the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Um, and, of course, we do need to thank our partners who help make the Wire Jump podcast possible. So big thank you to Sika Gear, Trophy Ridge, Bear Archery, Redneck Blinds, Huntera Maps, Ozonix, Carbon Express, Lacrosse Boots, and the Whitetail Institute of North America. And with that, Dan, I think uh, we're going to wrap things up. And one final thing. Dan, yes. I'm I'm waiting for you to host a podcast. How soon are we going to do that? When are you going to host an episode? Well, let me uh, get some things set up. I think I know what I want to do. Um, it's actually it's not going to be a joke. I'm not going to get Ric Flair or Hulk Hogan on the show, although I would like to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think uh, maybe in March. All right, sweet. I'm looking forward to it. I liked uh, the idea you floated out there the other day. So if, if that ends up happening, that's going to be a pretty cool episode. So I think everyone, um, it'll be fun from the standpoint that you'll be hosting and I could be lazy, <laughs> but also it sounds like we'll learn some good stuff too. So Sounds good. All right, man. Well, thank you everyone for listening. We appreciate it. Hopefully these resources uh, will come in handy for you on some cold days in the future. And until next time, have a great week and stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY.